Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Little and little, thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee, and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. Amen. Uh, this morning I want to talk to you a little bit on this subject, little by little, little by little. Let's pray together, together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We ask you now that your word will speak to us, inform us, grow us, mature us, and help us. And Lord, we'll be so careful to give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of God. Little by little. When I was uh, just a child, um, my uh, mother, t- I don't really remember this, but my mother tells a story of um, one morning as I was sitting in my high chair eating um, sugar smacks. I don't know, y'all, y'all probably don't know nothing about no sugar smacks. Y'all, you know, no, had a little frog on the, front, on the front of the box, sugar smacks. As I was sitting there eating my sugar smacks that morning, um, she noticed that I, I had a sugar smack hanging out of my nose. She said, Cor, what are you doing? And so she came over and she pulled the sugar smack out of my nostril. And when she did, it was kind of like a, spez, a Pez dispenser. Another sugar smack showed up. <laughs> and she pulled that one out and she realized uh, that this was going to continue happening. And so she took me to the doctor and they removed many sugar smacks from my sinus cavity. Because I just decided uh, when I got done eating my sugar smacks, whatever was left in the bowl, I was going to put it in my nose. That's just uh, how I rolled back then. And uh, so I would literally take the sugar smacks and just shove them up my nostril one at a time, you know. Like, a, like, like I was loading a clip in a nine millimeter, just shoving sugar smacks up my nose. So what they began to do is they would only serve me as much as they thought I was going to eat. They wouldn't give me any more, so I would eat it all. If I had leftovers, that was going up my nose. And I, I, I just, I don't know, I, I, I guess I thought I was a chipmunk. I could save them for later. I don't know. Uh, but they, they gauged me on how much they would serve me because if I had extra, it was, it was just too much for me. I would, they had to go somewhere. And uh, didn't feel like putting them in my mouth anymore, so next available hole is my nose. And uh, I'll just do that. Uh, so they would gauge my cereal content and intake, and they would also just watch me, make sure I didn't stick cereal up my nose anymore. And uh, when I was uh, a teenager, uh, about 15, 16 years old, I, a kid in my church, I, I was working construction at the time. A couple Sundays ago, my dad was here, and he was like, I don't think Court ever had a job. And I thought, don't lie in the pulpit, Bishop. Uh, because that man let me go to work when I was 13 years old, third shift at a bakery. That's a true story. 
a man in my church would pick me up at 11 p.m. at night, and I would work to 6 a.m. every morning and wash dishes in a bakery while he baked all the stuff that was going to be out that morning. I made $3.75 an hour. It was my first job at 13, and I worked until. I'm still working. And, but I was about 15 or 16, I had a construction job, and I was doing construction. And uh, I was, uh, I had kind of moved, I went from a, like a day laborer, just like picking up trash and stuff. And I, at that point, I was like, you know, working. And, and you know, you get up at 4.45 every morning, and uh, guy's going to pick you up about 5.15. We hop in the truck. We drive all the way to Raleigh, North Carolina, where at that time, they were building on every available piece of land in the, in the Triangle area. Um, and, uh, but a kid in my church, like, hey, I got a job at the golf course. And I'm like, well, how much are you making at the golf course? He's like, I'm making like seven fifty an hour. And I'm like, bro, I'm about to quit this job because I like to play golf. I'm going to get a job at the golf course. So I got a job at the golf course. And me and my friend, Sonny Stroop, uh, we worked at the golf course. His dad worked at the golf course as well. And so me and my buddy, Sonny, we, we had this job at the golf course, Kings Grant Golf Course. It's crazy because my brother, my oldest brother, now lives on Kings Grant Golf Course. And I used to uh, be a groundskeeper there at Kings Grant, and th we had these John Deere Gators. Anybody ever seen the John Deere Gator, little, little, little trucks? And one morning, we're driving that, that Gator uh, s somewhere on the golf course to do some work, me and Sonny, and we're, we're trying to make this thing go fast, but it won't. And so we're like, we're like trying to pick the different hills that we know that are on the golf course to see how fast we can get going down the hill, and we're just being, you know, idiots. Um, and we, it, it wouldn't go. It would, it would reach a certain speed, and you would feel it. You would feel it like pull back on you. And so Sonny's like, I bet there's a governor on this thing. Anybody know what a governor is? It's just like a little control valve on your, your fuel intake. It, 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 it won't let you go. And so me and Sonny took that John Deere Gator back to the, the little shop, and we figured how we could take a, a golf tee and put it in between where that governor would, would fl flip on when you got to a certain speed and would hold that governor open. And so we put that golf tee in there, we taped it up so it, that governor wouldn't come on. <laughs> and we went fast, man, too fast. And so we're, we're, we took that governor off and Sonny's driving and we're going across this, this, we're going down the middle. It's like early in the morning, there's still dew on the ground. We're going in the middle of this par five on King's Grant. I can take you there right now. And we're flying, it's like a downhill. It's like a downhill and we're flying. And, and this, just John Deere is shaking. And it's like, it's about to come apart, man. It's, it's not designed to go this fast. And we're just like flying and it's cold and we're like laughing. And Sonny, unbeknownst to me, decides, I'm gonna take a left turn. A hard, fast and furious left turn. And I'm just, I'm just like riding. I'm like holding on to the little bar. I'm like, ah, we're riding, we're laughing. They're having a good time. Sonny goes, whoop. Well, the golf cart went left. I just kept going straight. <laughs> and he, he went left and was spinning through the, the dew on the ground, tearing up the golf course, by the way. And I am still in my position, just going straight. And I don't know how fast we were going, uh, but my ribs and my hips and all that, 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 they figured it out. And I hit that ground, with it, that wet ground, and I just kept sliding. And uh, I was hurting, and now I was soaking wet. 
And uh, it was hilarious. We laughed and laughed. And then later on that day, someone said, uh, was somebody doing donuts on hole six? And me and Sandy were like, no, nah, I don't know nothing about that. No, n- never heard of it. Um, the Lord put a governor on his people. He uh, controlled their intake. He told him, he said, when you come into the new land, there's going to be a harvest that, that you have to glean. And uh, he told him what they needed to do with that harvest. But he told him that when you come into the land, there, there's already a harvest there. It, it's not a harvest that you planted. It's not a harvest that you sowed. It's, it's not something that, that, that you put effort in. It's, it's already waiting on you. The, the people who are there before you, what they don't know is that all the work they've put in, it's for you. All, all, all the labor that they've done, it's, it's all that is, is laid up for you. It's treasures and, and, and harvest and, and land and possessions and belongings. It's, it's houses that you, you didn't build. It's, 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 it's harvest that you didn't plant. It is a, a bountiful intake of stuff that you had no labor involved in, and, it, and it's for you. God is very clear to the people of Israel that it's theirs. It's, and God doesn't feel any kind of way about this. I know that we would read this today and we would say, that's kind of not, that's not, not fair. You know, like these people did all the work and now you're getting all, all the, the glory. But this is an Old Testament concept. And in the Old Testament, there were, there were really no, no delineations. And there was an extreme line drawn between the enemy and God's people. There, there. There was God's people and there was everybody else. And, and they were, and God would not even let them be friends. God would not even let them, God forbid them to take wives from their people. God forbid them to, to join them in any way. And even when they moved into this land, he would tell Joshua, he would tell Joshua, he would say, Joshua, when you go into the new land, be careful when you communicate and, and you rub shoulders with the people of that land. He said, be careful with them. He said, because you may take a covenant with them that you're not even aware of. You don't know their customs. You could, you could sit down and have a drink with them and not understand that the, uh, their custom is that if someone would drink with me, that we are now bonded. I learned about this in Iraq um, because when I was in Iraq, I, we, did a lot of, um, uh, we did a lot of talking. You know, we would meet with people that no one else wanted to meet with and and, and, and we would have conversations with uh, people that no one else wanted to have conversations with. And we would go into these cities and there would be holy men, sheiks, imams, mayors. They, they had a bunch of different names and they all, and it depended on one city, the mayor would be the guy who had all the pool. But the next city would be the holy man of that city. He would have all the pool. Or you would go into the next city and the, and the mayor and, the, and, the, and the, the holy man, they didn't really have the pool. It, it, it was the imam. The imam of that city was the one who everybody went to. So we had different people that we talked to. And what we learned is, is that uh, we could not talk to them until we had eaten with them. They would not talk. There would be no business discussed. There would, you know, basic sundries and greetings. But until we ate with them in their home or in their place of meeting, wherever we decided to meet them, until there was some kind of, of connection there over food and chai, drink a lot of chai in Iraq. It was actually delicious. 
And uh, so I didn't mind that part. But uh, there was, you know, I was served a couple goat heads. And I mean, like, we can fight right now, bro, but I'm not eating this goat head. I'm like, I'll burn this city down, but I'm not eating this goat head, you know. Um, but, you know, you kind of pretend like you're eating sometimes and whatever. But they would not talk to you until you ate. It was, a, it was their custom. Their custom is you eat with me, we, we eat together, and then we, we have an open um, camaraderie that we can speak on business matters. And they knew the questions that we were going to ask uh, before we asked them. And they already had their story ready for us. But there was, there was no conversation until we would operate in this function of their custom. And so even at, at, at this place, and you know, we, you know, the, you know we're, we're living in a Western world, but we serve an Eastern religion. This, this is where these people are. This, this is where they live. They, a lot of their customs that we see in this word are still their customs. And, and God wanted to draw that line of delineation between evil and good, righteous and unrighteous, uh, God's people and not God's people. And God told him, he said, the enemy as he would describe them, they, they've already prepared this place for you. They've already put everything in place. And when you come into that land, there's going to be an automatic harvest for you. He said, and, and, and I want you to glean that harvest. But he tells him in Deuteronomy in chapter 7, he gives him an understanding of, of what will happen. And he, he controls their intake. He he governs their progress. And he tells them, he said, don't be afraid of them. Don't, don't fear them. He said, because I am among you. I'm among you. I'm with you. You don't, you don't have to be afraid of them because I'm with you. you there, there needs to be no fear. As you, as you progress, you don't need to fear because I'm with you. I'm among you. I like how the Lord says it. He doesn't say I'm with you. He says I'm among you. That sounds so much better to me than with you. He's, just, he's here. He, he's among us. And he said, as you, as you progress into this new land, as you progress into the land that I promised you, I don't want you to be afraid. Of it. Don't, don't fear every step. Don't, God doesn't want us to fear today. In and what is happening next in, 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 in not only Truth Chapel, but I believe in the kingdom of God as a whole, uh, we're going to go into some uncharted territory. But God said, I don't want you to be afraid. I, I, I don't want you to fear because I'm with you. I'm among you. And he said, I'm a mighty God and I'm terrible. I'm terrible. That's, that's, that's a weird way to describe yourself. I don't know anybody who would say, yeah, guys, <laughs> I'm terrible. Say, hey, man, are you good at basketball? Oh, I'm great at basketball, and I'm terrible. That doesn't match. It's an oxymoron. But what he's saying is not that he is terrible in our context of terrible, meaning the worst or not good at it. What he means is that I am so good that the enemy would fear me. He said, I'm a mighty God to you, but I'm terrible to them. I'm, I'm, I'm fearful. You should, you should be afraid of me. You, you notice that when the Lord says, don't be afraid of them, he ends that sentence by saying that he's terrible. Meaning, if you're going to fear anything, fear me. Uh, if, you, if you're trying to figure out where to place your fear, he said, 
fear me instead of them because I'm great, mighty, and terrible. And he says this, and the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee. He said, I will put them out. I will put out the nations from before you. This is my job. This is God's job. God's job is to drive out the enemy. It's not our job. I, I, I think sometimes that, 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 that we try to put ourselves in God's shoes and we try to do God things and it frustrates us that we can't do God things because we're confused on our place and position. God, God didn't ask us to drive out the enemy. He said, that's my job. He said, what I want you to do is as I drive them out, I need you to occupy what I've cleared. Mm. He said, he said, I'm going to clear the way. Your job is, to, is just to occupy the places that I clear. When I, when I prepare the way for you, you're going to just come in. You're going to occupy. Don't, don't get ahead of me. Be, because if you get ahead of me, you'll have to fight the enemy. I'm not there yet. I'm among you. I'm among you. And, and, and if, if you're not careful, you'll go so far forward that you'll be fighting an enemy that you're not ready to fight yet. We see this all throughout the Old Testament where the children of God got so anxious and so ready that they went before God. And the, 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 the story was always, no, I go before you. You don't go before me. I go before you. This is what God told them about Jericho. God told him, he said, I want you to go possess it. Go possess it. Instead of them going to possess it, you know what they did? They sent in spies to test it and gauge it. Think about that. God says, this land is yours. This city is yours. The first city you come into, I want you to go in and I want you to possess this land. And they send in spies to do the to do the work, to see, to look. See, they're thinking like humans think. That's what we do in the military. We send in a recon team. And the recon team sneaks in, and they gauge the enemy. Well, they got 35 tanks. They got two, two helicopters. They got, uh, small, they got small weapons. They got, they got automatic weapons. They got... They got 50-something men, they got, and they come back and they say, hey, so here's what we got. We got this, we got this, we got that, and this is what we should do. Now, for, to me and you, that, that seems smart, right? Because that's my flesh thinking. My flesh is like, hey, man, if you're going to go attack a city, you might want to know how tall the walls are. There's any weak spots. You know, are they prepared? Uh, do they know we're coming? You know, it's a good idea, but that's me thinking. That's not God thinking. We have, to, we have to understand that sometimes what may make sense to us is not God's plan. When we operate in our flesh and we operate in our own abilities, we make mistakes that we don't even understand we're making while we think we're doing the right thing, we're doing the wrong thing, because we're trying, to, we're trying to outdo God. 
We're trying to fit God into our framework of work. And God said, I didn't want you to spy it. I wanted you to possess it. But what happened is when the spies went, the spies come back with information. That's what spies do. You're not a good spy if you don't come back with no information. And here's what happened. The information was too much for them to handle. So many people sitting in church right now, you, the only, you're paralyzed because you want all the information. You can't worship. You can't submit. You can't, you can't operate in the giftings that God has put in you. You can't function in the roles that God wants to see you function in because you want all the info. Before I move, I want to know. How's this going to turn out? God don't work like that. He never has. He never will. God, God knows the end from the beginning, but he, but he don't tell you. God always shows us the end. That's what he shows us. He shows us the end. He showed Joseph the end. He showed Abraham the end. When, when, when he promised Abraham, he showed him the end. When he promised Joseph, he showed him the end. When he anointed David... He anointed him for the end, but he didn't tell him all the stuff that was going to happen in between now and the end. And if you're still waiting, if you're still waiting for God to download the 12-step program into your computer so that you can plan it all out, it ain't going to happen. And if you take it upon yourself to try to go into it and get all the info you need, you will always be paralyzed and walking in circles for 40 years because of information. It's just info. That's all, that's all they got. Ten men. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, the Bible calls it this. The Bible said they brought up an evil report. <laughs> an evil report. Was it evil? I mean, was it evil? It was just, it was just. True facts. Hey, these dudes are big. We saw the sons of Anak. These, these guys, they look like giants, and, and we felt like grasshoppers in their presence. And, and the walls, oh, my goodness, the walls. You, you wouldn't believe the walls. It's just they're so tall, they're so wide. It's just, man, I, I, listen, this is good information because it's going to help. We, we should probably just turn it back around. Go on back where we came from. Because uh, I, don't, I, I don't know about this one. Or maybe we could, we could go around it. Only, only two men in the group, only two men in the group had a good report. And their report was, we are well able. They said, we are well able. And you know what? They were wrong too. Because we was never in the conversation. They were wrong as well. Joshua and Caleb was dead wrong. You know why? Because they said, we are well able. No, you're not. God never promised nothing about we. You go back to the book of Numbers and you read all the promises that God made them about the promised land. Not one time in any of those promises he says, y'all. Every promise begins with I. I will send hornets before you. I will drive out the enemy. 
I will take the cities. I will. They come back and they say, we can. No, we can't. That's not the promise. The promise is he will. The promise is God will do this. And when God does this, we just occupy the space that he created for us to dwell in. We don't create the space. We occupy the space. He creates the space. It's his job to drive it out. You know why? Because we can't handle it. He's a governor. <laughs> and yes, he is a governor, like we would think of a governor, a leader, a, an operator. He's a governor, but he's also a governor. He controls our intake. He doesn't give us too much because he knows if there's any left in the bowl, we're going to shove it up our nose. If you want to hear for that story, ask somebody. He knows if, if there's too much left over, we, we don't do good with leftovers. So, so he says, I will go before thee and I'll drive them out little by little. I'll, I'll, I'll cut this steak up for you, buddy. Isaac is 10 years old and he likes to eat steak. But when they bring that steak, even though it's 10, I cut it up for him. Why? Because that's my child. I want him to choke. Right? Now, when he gets older and he's able, hopefully he cuts up his steak. Hopefully he's smart enough to realize, I can't eat this whole ribeye in one bite. My esophagus is not created for that. I'm a choke. Right? We, we know, because we have maturity, that there's some things in our life that we must do little by little. Yeah. If we do too much, too soon, we'll ruin it. We'll ruin it. You see, the military helped my mind. And so mentally, I'm able to do things uh, that my body doesn't do. Point in, point in case, several years ago, uh, Pastor John decided he was going to start running. And uh, we, we were running together. We had like a little, little group run deal. And uh, I hadn't run in years. And so John says, hey, I want to come to your, your, your house because you have a good neighborhood. I want to run in your neighborhood. I said, man, come on. So John came over to run in my neighborhood. I said, hey, I'm going to run with you. And John's like, oh, oh okay. You know? And I said, I said, yeah, man, we'll, we'll run. So I, I went and got some. Running clothes, I'm running clothes on. You know, I can run. Hadn't run in years, but I can run. So me and John start running. And uh, my body's going, what are you doing? But my mind's good, you know. My mind's good. Because the military taught me mind over matter. And so I'm, I'm running. John's running. We run, I, I don't know if John, you probably remember, maybe three or four miles we ran. It was a long way. And now a lot of people can't run half a mile or a mile. And now my body didn't want to do it, but my mind was good. So I know how to push through, push through the pain, you know, push through the, you know, you get that little burning in your stomach and you think, I'm going to die. You're not. You're not going to die. You're going to be okay. You got to push through that. And so you push through that. The military. So I push through all those things. I'm, I'm running and we're, and we get done running. We run three or four miles. John's like, man, you got to run it. How long this is you running? Man, years, man. 
man, I can't believe he just ran three miles, three, four miles straight. That's crazy. I'm like, yeah, man, you know. Well, John leaves, goes home. The next day, I can't even sit on the toilet. I can go up the stairs in my house, but I can't come down them. Oh, no. Up's fine. Down is a problem. My legs ain't working like that. You know why? Because my mind was good, but my body was not ready for no four-mile run. And I told Amanda, I said, Amanda, if you tell John that I'm hurting like this, I'll be so mad at you. I said, you got to keep this between me and you. Because she was like, baby, are you going to be all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. And I'm walking like I, oh, my God, oh, God. I'm just in so much pain because my mind's ready, but my body's not. In the spirit realm, <laughs> we come to church on Sunday, we get all hyped up. Brain's good. We're like, we're going to fight hell with the squirt gun. And then we jump all in, and we, 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 we accrue to ourselves injuries. We go, we're just doing too much. It's just too much. Little by little. Little by little. Now, I know I preached last week about harvest and, and, and what God's going to do, what, and what's, what's going to happen here at Truth Chapel. And, and, but, you know, God's going to do those things. He needs us to occupy. Here's what he told his people at the end of time. He said, occupy till I come. Take up that space. Harvest that area. When I, when I give you the opportunity, what I want you to do is come in and reap that harvest. I'll do the fighting. I'll do the pushing. I'll, I'll open up what needs to be opened up in the season, in the time that it's opened up. But what you have to do is come in and you have to harvest that area. He said, I can't give it to you all at once. He said, thou mayest not consume them at once. Why? He said, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. See, God has an overview. God can see what we can't see. And God knows if I... So let me break this down for you because this is, this is, this is awesome. What God is trying to tell him. What I'm trying to tell him is this. He's saying, listen, if I give you too much land at once, it'll be so overwhelming for you that your herds will suffer because the beasts of the field will hurt your herds. He's not talking about them. They don't have to worry about the beasts of the field. It's their hurt. It's, it's, their, it's, their, it's their sacrifice. See, when, when Israel left, when Israel left Egypt, they left with oxen and cattle and sheep. Yeah. We, we know it. You can go back and read it. It's in there. So why did they eat manna? if they had oxen and cattle and sheep. Why? Here's, here's, what, here's what Pharaoh told them. If you, if you guys remember, I preached a message years ago called Pharaoh's Fine Print, where every time Pharaoh would tell them they could go, there was a clause in there. He would, he would put it, the first time he said, he said, listen, you can go serve your gods, just don't go far. And and Moses said, no, the Lord wants us to go through. It, 
the mountain that he wants us to worship him at is three days journey. He said, no, you can worship, just don't, don't go too far. Then he said, you can go, you can go, just leave your, your women and your children here. Let the men go worship. And Moses said, no, that, that, that's not good because, because that's, our, that's our hope and that's our promise. We can't leave the women and children. We, we all going. Either we all go or none of us go. And the third one was, Pharaoh said, you can go, but leave your cattle. They had cattle. He said, leave your cattle. Moses says this, how can we leave our cattle? Because when we get to the mountain, God wants a sacrifice from us. They ate manna while they had cattle. You know why? Because they didn't eat the cattle. They sacrificed the cattle. That was not for consumption purposes. That was to sacrifice. It'll, it'll sink in with you for a minute. I'm, I'm eating manna every morning and I can hear the bleeding of cattle in the background. Why don't we just uh, have filet tonight? God said, no, the cattle's not for eating. That's for your sacrifice. Th this is how you sacrifice. And the Lord told him, he said, I can't give it to you all at once. Because if I do, the beasts of the field will overwhelm your herds and you'll lose your sacrifice. Here's what I know about people that succeed too quickly, too fastly. The first thing they do is they lose their sacrifice. When, when some people get so much and, God, and, and, and something happens in their life and they get overwhelmed with, with so much, you see them fade away from serving, sacrificing. Yeah. Because they got too much and the beast of the field is eating at what matters most. Yeah. How, how is it that churches get bigger and the volunteer teams get smaller? Yeah. Pastor John, how is it that just a couple years ago we had volunteer awards banquet? We, we had 240-something volunteers at that banquet that we served. And today our volunteer group is smaller than that. How? We grew. Our church is bigger now. Because the enemy attacks what, what, what matters most. Yeah. You say, well, I'm still coming. I, I know I don't serve no more. I know I don't sacrifice no more. I'm still here. No, you're not. You're not really here. It, it's too much. God, God's not worried about the enemy. He's worried about the beast. He didn't say, I'm not going to give it to you all at once or the enemy will overtake you. He said, no, I'm not going to give it to you all at once because you will not be able to control how many beasts of the field will attack your herds. You're going to lose out where it matters most. I can protect you from the enemy, but I can't protect you from the beasts of the field. He said, there's some places I'll never let the enemy touch your body, but he'll touch all the things that are around you. Yeah, he'll, 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 he'll never attack you directly. He'll just make you... Back off of this a little bit. Back off that a little bit. You know, I'm not really backsliding. I just, I just don't do that anymore. And, and you know, I, you know, I haven't quit church. I just, you know, I just quit a bunch of ministries I was in because I'm, I'm tired. 
Anybody want to talk to me? It's Bible study time. I got a couple more minutes here. He said, he said I'm, not, I'm not worried about the Ammonites and the, and the Hittites and the, and the Perizzites and, and all these ites. It's, it's not really what I'm worried about. I'm worried about that if you get too, too much at one time, it'll be overwhelming. And the beasts of the field, they will increase upon thee. You won't be able to control. You won't be able to, to, to watch every area. If, if you keep it manageable, then, then you can put out people who will make sure that, 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 that the, the herd is not attacked. If you, if you keep it manageable... Then, then, then you'll have more opportunity to watch your blind spots. And we all have blind spots. And you know what? Those blind spots increase when you get too much. You get too much. You know, you're driving a little car. It's easy to look in your mirror, you know, look over, look in your rear view, maybe turn your head a little bit and pull over. But you're driving a Mack truck. That's one of the big signs of Mack truck said, if, if, if you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. Because the, the, the more you have, the harder it is to manage those things. And God said, I'm not, I'm not really worried about the enemy coming against you. I've, I've promised you protection from, don't be afraid of the enemy, but you better be afraid of the beast of the field. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? That when it comes to the enemy, God's like, look, I got them. Don't be afraid of the enemy. What you need to be afraid of, what you need to be afraid of is that on the outskirts of the herds, there's an enemy lurking. And he don't, the, the enemy lurking on the outside of the herds, he don't stand in the middle of the field and say, come fight me. No, he comes at night. He comes in when you're sleeping. He comes in when you're not paying attention. He comes in when there's no security on the edges. Because the edges are so big now, we don't have security on the edges. He, he comes for the weak link. He comes for the isolated one. Mm. And if you, if, you, if you keep it manageable, then, then you can keep everybody in. But, but if I give it too much, I, I give it to you in stages so that at this stage we can manage this. And we can grow and learn and operate. And then at the next stage we can manage this and learn and grow and operate. But if I give it to you too much. He said, I'll deliver them unto you, and I'll destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. I'll destroy them until they destroy it. I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to kill you again, and I'm going to kill you again, and then you're going to be killed. I will destroy them with a mighty destruction, and they shall be destroyed. I mean, that's a lot of destroying. The man said destroy three, three times in one sentence. Destroy, destruction, destroyed. He, just, he, he said, I'm, I'm going to get rid of them. I'll get rid of them. All I need you to do is occupy and manage what you have and be patient that I'm, that I'm still working. If you read that New Testament, or you, if you read that Old Testament, if you read these, you, you'll see several occasions where the people just tried so hard they wanted to get so far ahead of God to the place where the entire Bible shifts into a different dimension. The, the entire Bible will shift into a different dif dispensation when the people of God start looking at the people of the world and they say, you know what? We want a king like they do. 
They had looked at the king of the Ammonites and the king of the Hittites and the king of the Perizzites and king of the Jebusites, and they said, man, we want, we, we want what they got. Give us a king. Yeah. Too much. It's too much, too quick. They wanted to get ahead of God. God said, I... He said, don't cry. Don't cry, Samuel. They, they haven't turned their back on, on you. It's, they turned their back on me um, because um, I am their God. I am their provider. I drive out the enemy. He said, but they have grown comfortable with the enemy in their backyard. And they got so close to the enemy that now they want to be like them. I want what they got. I want, what, I want what, what they have. He said, now I can't, I can't, I can't protect them anymore. He said, so Samuel, we'll give them what they want. And there will come a day when they cry out to me and say, God, save us from this king you gave us. And he said, in that day, I will not hear their prayer. And that day, I, I, I can't. It's, they've gone too far, too quickly. And they've reached for things that I didn't even want for them. Church, listen, don't, don't reach for stuff that God doesn't want for you. Don't reach for stuff that God doesn't want for you. You know why? He'll let you have it. That's why. Yeah. If you reach too hard for what, what you know God doesn't want for you, he'll just give it to you. And here's what he'll say. He'll say, I'll give you this. You know that I don't want you to have it. You know it ain't right. But you know what? You can have it. You beg me, I'll give it to you. You can have it. I'll give it to you. And the day that you come to me and pray and say, God, save me from what I knew I couldn't have. I won't even, I, I, I don't know how to save you now. I, I don't know how to hear your prayer. You got, you got what you wanted. The children of Israel got what they asked for. You know what they, they wanted what the, what, 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 what the other people had, and so they got what the other people had. And everything that came along with it. All the other stuff that came along with it. All the little fine details they didn't read. On the back side of the contract, written so small you got to have a magnifying glass to see it. You got all that too. All of that. It's like the, com the commercial that says, take this pill and, and it'll help you with headaches. But if you have a fever, if you have uh, bleeding from your eyes, bleeding from your nose, if your liver shuts down, if your toenails fall off. Like, hold up, time out. All I wanted was my headache fixed. Yeah, that, that's what the enemy will do. The enemy will say, I'll, I'll scratch this itch, <laughs> but I'm also going to ruin your life on the other side. And God said, if you want that, you have it. That's the worst thing that can happen to you is for God to answer your prayer. He said, I, I, I'll give you what, you, what belongs to you, but it's just little by little. Let, let, let me do the work. Let, let me go in. Let me, let me drive out the enemy. And then you, you just occupy and they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Okay, Lord, one more step. All right, here I am. I'm going to occupy this space. I'm going to work in this. I'm going to do this space. And, you know, I'm going to be patient. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get weary in, in well-doing. Oh, oh, okay, Lord, I'll come into this. Oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Hey, if you renew your strength, you shall rise up with wings as eagles. You shall run and not be weary, and you shall walk. And not faint. 
Now just walk. Just walk into it. Walk into it. He said, I have set before thee an open door. Come in. Go through the door. Go through. He said, go through the door that I opened. Not the doors that everybody else opened. And God forbid you go through the door that you opened. He said, I set before you an open door. My door. My door. My door. Go through my door. Occupy my space. I'm going to give it. Listen, you know it's not God if it's happening too fast. You know it's not God if it's happening too fast, if it's too easy. God said, no, 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 that's not me. I, I, I'm a little by little because I don't want you to get so deep that you can't watch the edges. And the enemy tries to sneak into your life and tear down this belief and tear down that belief before you know it. Before you know it, you've, you've been overcome by the beast of the field. He didn't take your life. He took your sacrifice. He took your ministry. That's how they ministered to the Lord. They ministered through sacrifice. It was the ministry of the, Levit of the Levitical priesthood to serve the Lord with sacrifice. He said, the enemy ain't coming for your people. He's coming for your ministry. I want your ministry. I want to take away your ability to serve me. Take away your ability to minister to me. And he said, he said I'm not worried about the Ammonites in here. I'm worried about the beast. The beast. The beast of the field. Oh, Jesus. Hear it. Hear the word of God today. Amen. Preach it to myself today. Because, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of you. If, if, it, if it ain't for me, I don't want it. I don't want it, Lord. I don't want to. Lord, if, if it's too much for Truth Chapel, then, then, then Lord, take your time. We good. We We'll step in a little at a little time. And, Lord, you know if you open the door, we're going to walk through that door. We're not going to hesitate. We don't do a lot of hesitating around here. We'll walk through the door. But, Lord, I want to know for a fact it's your door. Your door. Your purpose. Your plan. Your direction. Ah, in Jesus' name. Stand with me. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.